Welcome to the Back Row Fantasy Show with your hosts, Jeremy Barker, Aaron Arms, and Chad Middle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Back Row Fantasy Show, uh, where it's actually just going to be me, Bark, uh, Arms, and Knit. They are on Back Row Fantasy Show vacation. Uh, so it's just going to be me and uh, not just me. It's going to be me and uh, our dude from NFL Draft Diamonds. And we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, some possible steals in this draft, some uh, some late round finds. And uh, he's he's going to give his take. He does a an actually amazing job on Twitter and on Instagram of profiling uh, some of the lesser known players. Uh, that are in the draft, and uh, we're really excited to have him on. Uh, we'll also be coming to you soon and doing a uh, draft grades episode. That's coming uh, probably within the next 24 to 48 hours, and we'll also break down our dynasty rookie draft rankings. Uh, the draft was awesome. We had a lot of fun talking to everybody uh, that called in to the show via Skype. Uh, that was a fun experiment. Um all we got to do is fine tune that, I think, for next year. But we definitely had a lot of fun doing that. Look forward to, to doing more episodes like that, having more people call in and just talking a little bit of football. All right, guys, I got Damon from NFL Draft Diamonds with me on the line. Damon, how you doing, man? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Excellent. Excited to have you on the show. Uh, me and Arms and Knit, my co-hosts, have been following what you do on Twitter and uh, what you do on Instagram, you know, which go hand in hand. Uh, you, you pay a lot of attention to both, but we've been following the the things you do on there for a long time and really impressed with how deep you go uh, into some of the small school players. And, and, and that's not just small school players. I mean, you go from the top all the way to the bottom and you know, that, that takes a lot of uh, patience practice and a lot of work, I'm sure. Yeah, it's definitely intense. <laughs> It has its moments, but it's worth it in the end. I love giving the small school guys some attention. I believe that they deserve it. I believe that there's um, just they need it more. There's more of a niche there. I mean, for small schools, because I feel like there's just not a lot of sites that are providing that small school talk. And and I enjoy it, and I like helping them out and answering their questions if they have any. Uh, It's fun. That's why I enjoy NFL draft timing so much. Yeah, we love it too, and and that's uh, one of the reasons uh, some of the guests we've had on the show, um, actually one of the first and and only so far that play football, we've had comedians and other stuff on the show, but Chase Litton, small school, Marshall, uh, it was just just good to talk to a guy like that, to to talk to somebody who wasn't a big media name, but but also had all the skills it it takes to, you know, make it on an NFL roster, so... Yeah, it's exciting to get those guys' names out there and, and also just research. And I mean, there's some big players in some small schools, obviously. I mean, there's plenty in the NFL. Uh, but just to kick things off, give me a, a handful of names that uh, may have got drafted the second half of, of the draft or maybe undrafted. Just a few guys that you had your – or a few names you had your eyes on going into this thing uh, that have since latched on with the team. Well, um, there's there's so many guys that obviously the draft was huge. You know, when you see 200 plus players getting drafted and getting finally an opportunity, I think some of the guys that really caught the attention of a lot of um, fans were guys 
I'll give you an example. The Oakland Raiders drafted a couple players early. Um, they drafted P.J. Hall from Sam Houston State, who's a small school kid. They drafted another kid the next round, Brandon Parker, right at the beginning of the round. And I noticed a lot of Raiders fans just so upset and so just so mad because they felt like they passed on so much talent. But what they don't realize are these are two small school kids. And I'm not just going to talk about small schoolers, but these are just two small school kids that – really have shined in the last like four or five months but have blown up like a kid like pj hall i mean he was meeting with bill belichick and nick casero of the patriots they flew him out to oakland and met with their gm and they flew him out to dallas and he was meeting with all these teams and this is a guy that is like a tackle for loss monster at sam houston state he's not the biggest guy he's not the strongest guy but he's damn he's impossible to block. He has a high motor, probably should have been at a better school than a Sam Houston State, but he made the best of it. And at the end of the near the draft as it came to close down to it, I mean this guy was not getting attention from just local scouts or area scouts. You're talking GMs and head coaches were flying this kid out. I knew he was going to go higher than what he did. I didn't know how high. Um and I know a lot of Raiders fans were probably upset about that pick, but I'm going to tell you what, Raiders fans, if there's any listening, I'm telling you, it's a good get. The guy is a great football player, very high motor, doesn't stop, hard to block. He has good moves. Then you get a guy like Brandon Parker in the next round who, in North Carolina, I mean, he's probably the best thing that they've ever had besides, you know, the little guy, Tarek Cohen, came out last year from the Bears. And this guy was responsible for putting up a lot of those yards for Tarek Cohen. He made holes. He's huge. And at the in a black college like that at North Carolina A and C, he was the man. I mean, he used the best offensive lineman in the draft for small schoolers, and it showed. I mean, the Raiders got two picks, but then how they ended up following that round that next round up, you know? I mean, you get Arden Key and then you get a Mo Hurst. I mean, Raiders, I think, killed the draft, but I think that the Raiders initial fan reaction was upsetting because they didn't get, you know, a Mo Hurst in round two or three rather than around five or wherever he went. You know what I mean? Yeah, I actually, I think Raiders fans should should dig a little deeper on these names. And I, they've been accustomed uh, over the last decade and a half to taking uh, combine standouts. So to see them turn around and take a couple of small school guys uh, like Brandon Parker and like P.J. Hall, like you mentioned, I mean, that's showing that that, that, uh, that staff up there in the war room is, is doing it differently. Now they're not just taking the Michael Mitchells of the world that ran, that was nowhere on the draft radar years ago, but then he ran a, a four, three, eight, I believe. And, and they took him almost solely based off that. And, and they didn't even, they didn't even get anything out of him. Pittsburgh did, but I mean, Raiders fans should, should definitely, you know, just dig a little deeper they're not going after combine studs anymore. They're doing the research. And, and I agree with you. I think they, they probably found a couple guys that can help them out tremendously this year. Absolutely. I, you know, this whole draft was just an interesting draft though. I can say that. Did you notice how many big time, big wide receivers, I would say big, just physical bodied wide receivers. They weren't getting the same amount of looks. It seems like the NFL starting to focus more on slot and slot corners. If you look at the corners that were taken, you don't see a lot of big outside corners. They were slipping all the way through the draft. 
But the littler guys, the little slot corners, were starting to get taken. Guys that were running faster, they had length. You're not seeing, you weren't seeing like, I don't know. I want to say like a guy like Levi Wallace, you know, from Alabama. He's a big kid, had good length, played outside, and he doesn't get drafted. But then you got a kid like Tremont Smith from Central Arkansas, you know, or a Deion Crossan. Um, from Western Carolina, these are smaller guys, but they ran faster and they have they have better physical traits because that slot position is becoming more and more um, vital in that in defensive schemes. You know that slot receiver can kill you in some cases. When you get a Julian Edelman, he can kill your he can kill your your defense. So what they're doing now is they're trying to find somebody that can cover him. Well, how do you cover him? You get a bigger, faster, and stronger kid that can try to cover him and they can stay with him. And that's what I think a lot of teams now are doing. If you go and you look, look how much money Nikel Roby Coleman received from the Rams this year. You're talking about a straight nickel corner. The kid's like five foot seven, and he got paid. But why are they getting paid? Why are slot receivers like Tavon Austin making what almost eight million dollars a year? They're getting paid money because it's starting to become a trend. And what you're seeing is guys like Alan Lazard from from um, Iowa State. Guys like um. Uh, what's the kid's name? Robert Foster from Alabama. And these guys falling straight out of the draft. And that's crazy to me, but it's not. Simi Cobbs. I mean, you're talking about another big receiver doesn't get a chance until undrafted free agency. Yeah. Why are these big receivers not getting a shot? Yeah. Outside receivers seem to be getting overlooked. You're absolutely right. Equinemia St. Brown, all the way down to round six. A lot of people had mocked him you know, early second, I even seen some late first grades on that guy and, and he intrigued me as well, but you're absolutely right. Guys like Christian Kirk and uh, Anthony Miller to name some, some bigger prospects. I mean, these are, these are smaller dudes, not so much in, in, uh, you know, weight like BMI, but they're not those six foot two, three, four, and five, uh, big outside receivers. The, the league is absolutely, uh, catching on to, what I like to call the Patriots, you know, the Patriots way of playing is, is playing with the, the Edelmans and, and the uh, Amendolas and the Chris Hogan's, like taking these small shifty guys that can simply get open and get first downs. And uh, and that seems to be the way a lot of teams are, are going to mimic that and take a lot of these smaller shiftier guys that just simply get open rather than trying to toss the ball all the way down the field every drive. Yeah, I think it's a mistake, but I mean, who am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is kind of crazy because I mean, some of the most dominant receivers to ever play the game, you know, were were not shifty slot guys. They're Randy Moss and Calvin Johnson, and you know, it's. I still think you have to to take chances on those guys. I think Cortland Sutton dropped a little farther than. I mean, I was surprised. I knew he's kind of raw, um, but I mean, even even to that extent, he fell farther than I thought he would. And that kind of goes hand in hand with what you were just talking about with some of the the smaller guys. Yeah, I mean, I believe the first uh, wide receiver drafted was DJ Moore, wasn't it, from yeah. Carolina? Yep, absolutely was. And you're talking about a small, shifty, Steve Smith-type football player. It's crazy. It is. And Sammy Cobbs, you brought him up. I was extremely high on him going into this. He, uh, he toasted Denzel Ward quite a few times in their matchups. And for him to go undrafted blew me away. I'll give you one that blew me away is Jake Wenicky, South Dakota State. How did that kid go undrafted? I mean, he put up he put up Cooper Cup like numbers. I mean, he smashed every record in the FCS. 
And this kid, I, I don't care if he's white. I don't care if he's slow. He knows how to get open, and he's been doing it his whole career. No matter how – North Dakota State could put 10, 10 corners back there, and he will still catch the ball. He, he, he was just that good of a player, that dominant. And he goes undrafted, and Minnesota Vikings sign him. That's going to be the guy – remember that. I'm t- giving you that name now. He's going to be the guy that people go, why? Why Why didn't somebody take a chance on him? Someone will get fired for Jake Wenicke. A scout will get fired in that region over Jake Wenicke, in my opinion. That's exactly part of the reason I wanted to have you on the show. I mean, calls like that, like I, I love to look out for these names and to keep these names at the back of your mind. Like, you know, don't forget about these guys because once they get in a camp and start competing, you're going to start seeing their name on the uh, the news snippets uh, for off-season news. And, yeah, there's there's – going to be a lot of those guys overlooked in fantasy drafts as well yeah and i know i mean a lot of people put that they get this mindset that because they're undrafted they're not going to come in and compete but let's go back and look last year look at keelan cole keelan cole was a guy that nobody knew about and this kid came out of nowhere injuries come up for the jaguars he has to fill in and he has, I, I think he had almost 500 yards or maybe more this year yeah. as a receiver. And you're talking about a guy that, who knew Keelan Cole? No one. Nobody knew who he was. I mean, he only had a camp, rookie mini camp invite. That was it. He didn't. He wasn't signed as an undrafted. He was a rookie camp invite. He goes in there, earns a spot, beats out people for the 53-man roster, and, and has a heck of a year. And that's what it's about. And if – a scout, a, all right, let's just say this. NFL scouts get comfortable in their position. And what they do is they try to fit their mold, but they never take a chance. And a lot of scouts are scared to take a chance because if you take a chance and you miss, then you're held accountable. But if you take a chance and you hit, now you look like a hero. So it's kind of like the hero. You don't. It's like the half, the half glass, you know, the glass half full. The, the way you, that's their perception of looking at the pitcher is, you know, if I hit, then then I'm, I'm going to look like a hero. But if I don't hit, I'm going to lose my job. So I'm just going to stay in the middle and pick the guys that whatever my, my staff wants. Yeah. Man. Instead of picking the guy and taking a risk. you got to take a risk. If I was a scout in the NFL, I would probably either have a really amazing career or I'd probably be fired after year one because I'd <laughs> pound the table. Because, I mean, I'm going to take that risk. I mean, they don't make a lot of money. They're away from their family every day. I mean, you, you don't – I guess I would say this. From a person, from a perspective, I, I deal with scouts every day, NFL scouts. I love them to death. I feel like they've become part of me over years because I've built up such a relationship with GMs and, and scouts and, and guys that, like, I know their families' names. I've seen them in – you know, I, we've went out to dinner. I mean, when, when you're meeting these guys and you understand them, man, their job is so stressful. You know, they're living out of a suitcase for six to eight months a year, getting paid peanuts. And then a lot of them are scared to take that stand on a player. And, you know, there's a couple of them that are like, they're gun ho They're just like, you know, hey, look, if I go out, I'm going out swinging. I'm just going to take my gas and just go with it. And it's worked out for some guys. And some guys, they're sitting at home right now because, you know, they struck out or it was a bad idea. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense too. I mean, there's there's got to be reasons some of these guys get overlooked. You were talking about Keelan Cole, and I mean, he had to have gotten overlooked for that exact same reason. Nobody had the you know the gumption to take a chance on that guy, and now he's probably going to lead that team in receiving this season. 
he's he's a stud. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I love him. Allen Robinson is gone. Uh, you've got Keelan Cole. You've got D.D. Westbrook. They brought D.J. Chark into the fold, but I, I don't I don't believe in that landing spot for him myself. Um, but but yeah, Keelan Cole looks like the guy, and and coming out of nowhere, it's it's crazy to see. Is there anyone else? Um, who who do you see out of all the guys you've kind of profiled? Do you see a guy like Keelan Cole coming out and being productive this year from a camp invite, coming straight up and making the making the fifty three main roster and doing something this season? There's a couple guys that are. I'll, I'll stay right on the receiver spot. There's a couple of guys who are wide receivers that are extremely overlooked. I mean, they're only getting camp invites right now, which this is insane to me. Like I would be, this is why I would lose my job. Those two kids, I have two kids. They would be on my team right now. And I would not look back. I just hundred percent. I pound the table. They'd be on my team. A kid named Ashton Grant. He comes from a little tiny school called assumption. Um, it's up North somewhere in the Northeast. And this little tiny school hasn't produced many players. But I'm telling you, there's a wide receiver named Ashton Grant, and it's A-S-H-T-O-N Grant. That kid is special. He had 3,000 yards receiving in his career. He's a touchdown machine. No one could stop him in his division. First-team All-American. He has a couple invites. I want to say the Raiders called him. I want to say the Ravens maybe called him, and there was another team. But you're talking three minicamp invites, Um, and that's really it, you know? Um, the other kid is a man by the name of you there still? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All ears, man. Uh, Ears wide open. I was was like, I just got really quiet. Oh no, no. I'm excited to hear these names. (laughs) Okay. The other one, I apologize for that little break there. You're good. But the other one is, um, a kid by the name of Deontes, um, Alexander. And you might have seen me tweeting about this kid. I think I this have. kid comes from Franklin College. Like, I can't even tell you where Franklin College is. That's how small it is. It's I want to say it's in the Indianapolis area. This kid is from Indianapolis. Father was sick. He needed to end up going through like kidney dialysis. His son was like a JUCO star and could have went anywhere he wanted. But he made the decision. I want to stay close to my father to make sure to take care of him because he had a little brother. And stayed with him and did not leave his dad. And in the last two years, had 32 touchdowns, 19 or 18 last year. He's 6'4", he's 215 pounds, and he runs a 4'3", That right there is ridiculous. I'm talking about straight stretch, you're not catching him. And a straight, he can run routes, he's tall, he's got. He's physical. I mean, think he, I think he had like a 38-inch vert. I think he had an 11-1 broad jump. Killed killed his pro day. He went to Ball State and came away every team calling him. Every team that went there was like, who is that kid and why? where is he from? Everyone wanted him. And he ended up going – he got two minicamp invites. He got one to the 49ers and one to the Lions. I will tell you this. Those two kids right there, they would be on my football team. If I was – especially for undrafted, you don't lose no shame in that by signing a guy undrafted. I would be like, look, you didn't get an invite. I'm going to sign you. I'll give you a $2,000 signing bonus. You're coming to my football team. You're coming. To, I don't care. I'm pounding the table, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I love them two kids. Them two kids are talented, great story, 
amazing character, no, no flaws in their background, and just good, humble kids. I mean, these are undrafted guys. And, I, and of course, I love the Jake Wenickeys of the world, but I already mentioned him, so I went in a different direction with this. Yeah, that's, I'm definitely going to have my eyes on those kids. How, what brings you to some of these guys that you profile? Like, how do you find these names? Because, I mean, I, I'm going to admit, like me and my two co-hosts, we're constantly digging, looking for film, looking for guys to look out for. And, and two out of the three names you've mentioned that you love, I've not heard of yet. So I'm very interested how you find these guys. Well, you have to remember, I've been doing this for 10 years now. Yeah. And what really helps is I, I work, okay, I build a database. What NFL Draft Diamonds is, is an, a, it's in a database. All right? I sit there, watch film over years and i've built this database with all these prospect names in it only small schoolers so for example i'm i'm already on 2019 i've been working on 2019 we're at preseason list right now and i have 356 players in my list 356 players off of film that i've watched this is not including transfers this is not including grad transfers or anything guys that have dropped out we're just talking about active players for 356 players in the national that, that are in divisions from D1AA, which is the FCS, D2, D3, and the NAIA, which are the four divisions, the smallest divisions that make up the largest amount of schools in the college football. What we do is we break down film over watching film. I try to watch three games of every school every year. And sometimes I'm able to, sometimes I'm not. I have connections with a lot of the leagues now and i'm able to get their film and it's a lot easier to watch um so if let's say for example let's take a let's take a team like north dakota state in north dakota state i might watch three games i might watch north dakota state against south dakota state might watch them against illinois state and i might watch them against a western carolina or western illinois or something like that just to break it up i'll take those three games i'll watch them and i'll and i'll scout both teams on each end and I'll go through each offense, each defense, each special teams. I watch films. Guys that stick out over the film, over the years, any guy's number that sticks out, I get their number and their name. And I'll mark what I liked about them. And I'll go through and I build this entire database of all these prospects. So in the past three years leading up to the senior year of this year in 2019, 356 guys popped out as guys that I think have the potential to at least get a shot in the National Football League. That's not including any transfers. Then what we do is we dig into their backgrounds. We reach out to every single prospect in that database, and we contact them. We get all their information from their medical records all the way to their arrest histories, all the way to their Instagram accounts, to their Twitters, to everything. We compile it all in a database, and every year, two weeks before the NFL draft, we send our grades out to the National Football League for free. And this is our list to all NFL football teams for free. We do not charge them anything. I believe as a law enforcement officer, I believe that integrity and everything else will get me farther than, you know, money. I could charge them if I wanted to. I've had people try to tell me I should sell it to teams. I've had teams try to come to me and say, I just want just you. I don't want it to send it to all 31 teams. I just want you to just ours. Just don't give it to 32. Just give it to us. And I won't do that. And the reason I won't do that is because I believe that that database is helping these small school kids. We projected 20, 21 kids would be drafted from small schools this year. 22 were drafted. So we're 
pretty close when it comes to what we're talking about. And a lot of these guys that you start hearing about and seeing about uh, that these small schoolers, it, it comes to the point that I'll be, I'll be on my way driving home and I'll get a phone call from a scout and say, Hey, look, I got, I was looking at your list and you're missing a kid. You need to add him. His name is so-and-so. So you get help. And then on the back end, I'll have a guy hit me up and say, Hey, I'm going to East Texas Baptist today. Do you have anybody? Yes. You need to look at the linebacker and we'll go back and forth and we help each other out. Then, So basically I'm getting help from teams and the teams are getting help from me and we kind of coexist and help bounce things off each other. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And it's extremely, I got a lot of respect for the, for some of the, you know, things you said about not, not worrying about money. I mean, it's about helping these school, these small school kids get recognized and yeah. Uh, well, you gotta I could li- I could listen to this all Christ, day, man. This so. is good stuff. Well, I'm a believer in Christ, and I don't I don't need money. I mean, the big guy's got me. He's been taking care of me, and uh, I can't complain. So I'm a big believer in him. And you know, if I can help a kid, you got to remember. I mean, I don't know if you know my backstory or not, but you know, I was a pretty big football player coming out, and I broke my back, and they told me I'd never play. They told me I'd never walk. Um, I've been able to walk now, obviously, as a law enforcement officer, I'm walking, but I'm walking, I'm working, and now I'm just to take my passion and my dream to go and try to help somebody else live out their dream since I can't do it anymore. And to be able to see a kid or hear a family or get a phone call, you know, like, for example, I helped Ido, uh, Ido Smith, the, the running back who got drafted by the Falcons quite a bit this year, That's helped cr- him get his name out there. That's crazy and, that you mentioned him because I was going to ask you about him next because he's one of the guys I, that's popped out of the page uh, to me, but go ahead. Yeah, so, like, today I just get a call out the blue, and he's like, you know, I just want to thank you for everything, man. It's an honor to know you and help Yeah, And I didn't do anything, really, but it's that type of thing that means more to me than any paycheck because – this kid's about to live his dream, man. He's going to be an Atlanta Falcon. I mean, he's just it's so excited. I don't know if you've ever watched his film. I have. This is Shady McCoy 2.0. This kid is a stud. I mean, I do not know how he didn't go faster and earlier because I love him. I love his film, his shift ability, his hands out the backfield. He's tough, and he's just a great kid overall, though. When you meet him, he's so humble. He's, you know, he's like um uh, I don't know. No, I just love him. I love him like a kid. He's a great. He's a great football player, and a great overall just person. You know. And they absolutely drafted him with a role in mind. I mean, Tevin Coleman's going to move on. Devontae Freeman probably isn't going to be around forever. Uh, uh, yeah. As soon as I saw the Edo Edo Smith pick, I was and I knew you were coming on the show. I was like, I got to remember to ask him what he thinks of Edo Smith because that's. You know, not exactly a tiny school, but it's a small school guy. And uh, and he, I was very happy to see him go as high as he did. Yeah, he, he's going to, he'll have a role. And I don't know what that role will be at first, but remember him in the preseason. That's the, that's where you'll, that's where you'll see him get his mark. Don't put him against no third string defense. He's going to eat. I'm telling you right now. He's going to eat. I love that kid. Great kid. I'll give you another good kid. That's, I mean, just like, I don't know. He grew on me over the last couple of weeks. Is his name is Marquez um, Valdez Scantling? Oh yeah, Green Bay USF. Yep. Yeah, Green Bay drafts him. Listen, have you seen that kid's film? Yes, I have. There, there's a reason wow. he went before Equinemia St. Brown. Wow, I'm saying you're talking. He's a big kid. He's Martavis Bryant 2.0. 
Yeah, and, and that's that's what they need. Him late in the draft, <sighs> Packers got a steal. Oh yeah, and they and they've got wide open spaces for him to move his way up that receiver ranks too. And they got Saint Brown. Didn't they get Saint Brown too? Yeah, they did. Yep, but they yeah, that, that's they took Valdez first. Yeah, I like Valdez, but. I just had to throw his name out there because I, I fell in love with this film. He's fun to watch. Yes, he is. I'm going to ask you about one of my guys. I don't know. You know, seems like you stick to some small ones. And this is a fairly small school, but it's it's still kind of, it's still fairly big. But I'm a, I'm a big Miami Dolphins fan. And in round seven, I work in Athens, Ohio. Athens, Ohio is a college town, Ohio University. And my Miami Dolphins took Quentin Poling, linebacker out of Ohio. I don't know if you've seen much film on him or not, uh, but I just wanted to get your take on him if you had. Seen much film. He eats against my team. I'm a UB Bulls fan. There we go. I'm, I'm from Buffalo, so I'm a Mac guy. So, polling is a type of kid, high motor, hard hitter, thumper, tackle machine. I mean, I can see why the Dolphins like him. He'll probably have like a, um, what was the kid's name from Penn State? Y'all had Mike Hall, I think his name was. Wasn't wasn't he from Penn State? Hall, the linebacker in Miami for the Dolphins, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah, name. Mike Hall, H U L L. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm sick, so Hall sounds like Hall. Oh but yeah, Hall. Yeah, he um, he's similar to that, and he's the type of kid that will probably be used on special teams. He'll he's a, a type of player. His coaches said this to me when I spoke to their coaches. You can ask him to go and do anything, and he'll go do it. He's that type of guy. He's like a good, coachable, young, hungry type kid. Not arrogant, not cocky, but gets the job done. Lunch pail type football player. That's what you're looking for. In the late rounds, you want guys that are going to come in that you can coach, especially if you're a newer coach or, like, let's say, for example, a linebacker's coach. I don't know who the linebacker's coach is down there, but obviously their mindset is, I need a guy that's going to come in and work. Maybe they've had problems in the past where you tell the linebacker this is what we want done and it's not getting done the way that you're expecting it to get done, he's the type of kid that will get it done the way you want it done and then perfect it. And that's a great thing when you're having a, a young kid like that to come in. He could end up coming in and trying to steal playing time from people. And over time, coaches like to groom their own kids. They like to groom their own is to say that's where a lot of problems that falls in the NFL. You have scouts and you have and you have coaches. They all have their opinions. A scout knows talent. A a coach feels like they can change the talent and make them what they want, mold the talent. And that becomes a a head bumping session where somebody ends up losing their job most of the time. But in this case, that coach obviously and that scouts, them scouts and that coaches obviously had the same type of mindset. And I would not be surprised if special teams is what they had on their mind. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're definitely linebacker needy as well. Uh, but you mentioned Buffalo. You were talking about Buffalo University, right, that OU faces. Yeah. Okay. Tell me what you know about uh, Kamathi Halsey. Big wide receiver. Big wide receiver. We did an interview with him. Um, he's like, I want to say he's six. He's at least 6'3". He's a big kid. He a little raw. Route running ability is pretty decent. Big frame. Big window. Can catch the ball high places. Um, he has some quickness to him. He's not slow. He's not Calvin Benjamin slow. He, you know, he has a little bit of speed to him. Um, and overall he's, um, 
he's a he would be a probably a, a outside receiver. You wouldn't want him in a slot, but an outside receiver. He's decent on going on out routes. He's de- decent in the red zone. And Buffalo, their passing attack was iffy this year. They had two different quarterbacks that they switched in and out of, but he stayed consistent. I think he's a good player. I think he's I think he's a little bit raw, and he needs a little bit more. Um, he needs to work on a little bit more, like coming out of breaks. When he gets up to the top of his break, the the way he comes off his back foot sometimes, or the way he pushes off, he needs to change it up and try to plant plant his foot differently. And I think on a comeback route, I think he'd be a little bit faster if he did little things like that. But that's all coachable. You can't coach his size in his in his hands. Um, his window, his catching radius is ridiculous, and the kid can catch. He doesn't he doesn't drop a lot of balls. So coming from the UB, I mean. I know it's a small, it's a smaller Mac school, but I'll tell you, I like the kid. He's tough. Have you have you seen or heard of him getting any invites to a camp? I haven't yet, but I'll call him later and let you know. Um, I did an interview with him. He's a humble kid, man. I really, I hope he gets a shot. I know the right now. I know the Buffalo kids. They got a shot. I think I want to say Damone Harris, the defensive end, who was a. Uh, pass rush specialist for UB. He got a shot with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as an undrafted guy, um, and he's about the only one. I know they had a safety who's pretty similar to Micah Hyde, um, Williamson, Ryan Williamson. I don't know if he got a shot or not, but this is the year you're going to see the, the Buffalo Bulls. In 2019, you're going to see two Bulls get drafted. Sounds good. So, The linebacker and the wide receiver will get drafted from Buffalo. That's my final answer. Good deal. Yeah, I like. I've talked to Kamathi Holsey a couple times uh, on Twitter, just you know, a little back and forth, just because I'm familiar with you know anybody that faces Ohio University since I work up there, and and I know some uh, sports marketing fellows up there that I talk to. So he was a name I've just kind of had my eye out for, and and I'm hoping for the best for him because he seems like a great kid. Yeah, he's he is a great kid. Comes from a good family, got his head on his shoulders. You, you root for kids like that, and that's that's the hard part is not trying to let your personal feelings get in the way of what you're seeing because sometimes you root for a kid so bad in your heart and you don't get to see him make it and it just kills you because you know he can he has the it factor, but other people aren't seeing it, and that's hard sometimes. Absolutely, man. That's, you know, I, I know it was one of the biggest stories of the draft time, but I can't tell you how many times I choked up watching the, the Shaquem Griffin stuff. I mean... Yeah, you just you just want the best for everybody that's working for it, and it's it's refreshing to hear someone else you know being selfless and and trying to help some of these kids out. Um, this is a, this is so much better than I could have imagined having you on because very interested in your story, interested in what you do, and I love the fact that you're helping these kids out. Well, I'll tell you, it feels good. It definitely does. You know, I love I love sitting down and just like I talk to parents. I mean. I guess I'll tell you what I've learned, what I've come to learn over the years is when you go to a a University of Ohio State or you go to a Michigan or you go to a a Florida or a big school like that, they have what they call a pro school liaison. Okay, Mm -hmm. Um, these pro school liaisons are paid about one hundred thousand dollars a year. And all they do is prep football players about what they can and what they can't do for the NFL draft process. So let's just say, for example, I'm just going to take you through what a prospect would go through if they were a senior. So let's just say Denzel Ward at Ohio State. Denzel Ward comes into his junior year. At his junior year, when he comes into school, 
his they sit down with a pro liaison and the pro liaison says listen nfl agents are going to reach out to you you can talk to the nfl agents but you can't accept nothing in monetary value he can take you out to dinner but he can't buy it for you he can take you on a ride but you can't you know he you know like uh, you can't drive his car you can't do these things and they go through all these rules and regulations and let these guys know, know what they can and can't do then they get through their senior year and they go you have uh, agents that are contacting you any agent that contacts you, they got to contact us, and then we'll set up an appointment. They can come to the school and meet with you. And they do all these things for the player. So it's a huge help because they kind of know the rules and regulations of what you can and can't do for the NFLPA. Okay? Now, on the flip end, when you take a school like, let's say, uh, I don't know, um, West Alabama, okay? Well, West Alabama doesn't have a pro school liaison. What they have is a coach, and their coach is trying to tell them, but their coach don't know the rules and regulations. So a lot of these kids are misinformed going into the draft. They don't know that they can talk to an agent. They don't know that they can – they don't know the ins and outs or the rules of the NFLPA, so a lot of them fall behind the eight ball because the whole year they're not talking to any agents. Then it comes time, and it's about their pro day, and they don't have an agent. Well, how do I find an agent? Now they'll just – they're looking for just anybody – that has the word agent next to the name on Twitter, and half of them aren't certified. Half of them aren't even legit, but they don't know this because they're not listening. They're not paying attention. They're listening to advice from their coaches on some occasions who have no clue what's going on. So what I've done is I basically created a service for kids that if they need to know something or have questions in regards to the agent process or the NFL process, I answer the questions for free. I was I went to college and I went and got my master's degree because I want to become a sports agent. And that all changed when I seen how corrupt and dirty the agents were. Some of them, not all of them, but right. most of them. Right. So no, I won't say most of them. A lot of them are, are dirty. So I've being that I'm a Christian, it's hard for me to go and compete with a bunch of snakes when I'm trying to look like a lamb. It just don't work. You know what I mean? Right. So I've came to the conclusion is okay, I'm gonna help these kids. I'm going to help them any way I can, and I'm going to teach them the right way so they don't get screwed. And that's what I've done. And I've taken kids from D3 to FCS, and I deal with their parents. I've talked with conference calls with loved ones, with pastors, with people that some of these kids are being raised by their grandmas. And I'm talking with their grandma and letting them know. I'm showing them what to read and how to do it. They, they sign with an agent. They send me the contract before they sign, and I'm telling them, look, no, you don't want to sign that with that addendum in there. If you do, you're going to have to pay that money back. Right. Oh, so I'm helping these kids so they're not getting caught into situations where over long term it'll really affect them and hurt them. So that's kind of what we do. But, I mean, I talk with parents on a regular basis. I mean, this isn't a 10-minute conversation. I'm talking to them for an hour. I'm answering all their questions. They call and pop agent's names to me what do you think of this agent do you know if he's had any records in his past do you know this do you have that and i'm sitting there dealing and telling him exactly the truth of what i know what i don't know and if i don't know i find the answer and get it back to him it's just a peace of mind and i charge zero dollars to do this i don't want anything back for it but i want i don't want to see the kid get screwed over because of something down the road that they could have known about or they didn't know today's the hardest day for me um, I get on my, my Twitter account, I have 75 messages, 75 kids that are sitting at home that aren't, that aren't getting an invite. They're sitting there. They're not, no teams called. They want to know why their agents aren't calling. 
They want to know why they don't have a team invite, but they don't realize how hard it is to make it to the NFL. Right. They think because they're an All-American at a D3 school, they automatically should get a shot because another linebacker from a D3 school got a shot five years ago. It doesn't work like that. I mean, the things change, and it's hard, and trust me, I try to answer every answer, every question, but I have 75 emails and 100 questions and parents calling me, and it, and this day is stressful because I feel bad. I wish they could all get a shot, but that's why I made a video on my YouTube, and I'm like, look, you need to listen to this because you're not all going to get a shot, and we try to prepare them, but it's hard, and it's hard to get through their head. Imagine Imagine being a great athlete, and on your campus, you're a hero. Yeah. And everyone's waiting for you to hear your name called somewhere, whether it be a workout or whatever. And you see kids from your from your competition getting invites. And then you're thinking, what's the first thing you start doing? You start questioning things. It's just like when things are going wrong in your life, you start questioning things. Man, what am I doing wrong? Am I doing something wrong? Is God punishing me? What am I? And these are the things that start rolling through your head. And it's just like normal stuff. We're, I mean, we're all human. This is what happens. And these kids, they start playing the blame game. I'm going to start blaming my mom because she told me to lean towards that agent. Or I'm going to blame my, my brother because he told me I need to take this money from this agent. Now I can't fire him and go get with this better agent or whatever it is. And they start blaming the blame game. But they just got to sit back, be patient, and be humbled and just do what they got to do. It'll play out long run, but right now it's just it's too much for them. I mean, you don't know how many I, I've got them today so bad, and I feel horrible. So, I mean, I do my best to answer them and try to just give them hope. And but man, it's it's a rough it's a rough day. I hate days. I hate this day. This is like the worst day of the draft. After the draft, I hate this day. But hopefully, everyone will get their shot. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and at least you know they've got guys out there like you trying to to help you know get them through it and, and at least give them the knowledge of what they need to know if they do get that shot. So hopefully you know those kids that that don't get the call, hopefully they can at least look back and be like you know I had some people around me that did everything they could to to try to help me you know achieve what I was going for. So good stuff, man. Really good stuff. I appreciate it, man. No, awesome. I was super excited about having you on, even more excited after getting to talk to you. Uh, I'm going to leave it at that, though. Uh, some great stuff, uh, some great names to watch out for, uh, a great story about how NFL Draft Diamonds came to be. And, man, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me tonight. This has been great. I'm glad you had a lot to say, and, and I hope all the listeners uh, of ours you know, listen to it and just think about some of this stuff. For a little bit think about how hard it is on some of these kids trying to to get to the nfl and and it's just it's humbling you know everybody's got problems and you can't you can't look at pro sports and just think you know millionaires and diamond rings there's there's real work going on out there and there's real real people uh trying to achieve you know that status and they're just they're like a lot of us out there and i love the fact that you're supporting them and trying to help them out and trying to make sure they don't get bamboozled by agents. It's very respectful, man. I'm glad you came on tonight. Well, I appreciate you having me and, uh, I'll be more than happy to come on anytime we can talk and man, look out, look it out, look out and, uh, hit me up. Feel free anytime, man. If you have any questions or comments or, you know, anybody that has any, or, you know, prospects that are going through some man, feel free to reach out to us. We're easy to contact and get it at me on draft diamonds on Twitter 
Instagram, shoot Facebook, YouTube, I don't care. Anyway, you'll find me, and, I, and I'll be more than happy to help you out. Sounds great, man. I'd love to have you on again, and I'm sure we'll make it happen. And you're doing a great job with NFL Draft Diamonds, pushing out great information. It sounds like you're helping out a lot of great kids. So thanks again, Damon. I appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and we'll talk to you again soon. And I'm looking forward to it. Hey, thank you, man. God bless you, brother. You too, man. It was fun to be on. Absolutely. Have a good night, man. Take care, brother. You too. All right, man, that was that was Damon from Draft Diamonds. We've been following that site a lot. And I uh, I got to admit, I, I wasn't even sure uh, what all we were going to talk about. I knew we were going to talk about some small school prospects, some landing spots, but very humbling, man. We you got a great guy out there doing a great thing for a lot of great kids. And I'm, I'm going to end it on that note. I'm a little humbled tonight. So I appreciate Damon coming on the show. Think about some of these guys, you know, that you – watched and hoped for on the draft. I know uh, Chase Litton for us, whenever he didn't get selected in the seven rounds, and I hate to even talk about it, like my heart was kind of broken for him because he was such a great guy on our interview. But he got that shot, and he's he's with the Chiefs, and he's in a landing spot to where he could quickly uh, become the backup on that team, and we're super excited for him to continue to pursue his dreams. And I'm excited to have got gotten to talk to a guy like Damon who's helping other small school prospects try to achieve theirs. Everybody enjoy each other, and uh, we'll see you with me, Arms, and Knit on a less serious, more back row, <laughs> more back row-esque episode here in about 24 to 48 hours. Have a good night. This concludes another episode of the Back Row Fantasy Show. Thanks for listening, and be sure to give us a review.